Hello everyone, today is September 8th, 2016. I'm your host, client manager John Niggle of InTouch Manufacturing Services. InTouch is an American-owned company headquartered in Shenzhen, China that specializes in everything from quality control product inspections to factory audits, social compliance, and sourcing. The topic of today's podcast is five qualities of a good supplier, and joining me to talk about that is Manager of Client Services, Oliver Knack. So welcome, Oliver. Thanks, John. This is based off an article Oliver had written on our blog a couple months back. And a good analogy that was used in the article is the dating game. And you think about this old TV show that was on in the States. I don't know if you got in Australia as well, but everyone I think is familiar with it. And, you know, you've got like a bachelorette and you've got three bachelors on stage who you can't see them. And really the bachelorette just can ask a few questions. That's it. And then on the basis of those brief responses, she has to choose a guy to go on a date with. For some people, I think it can be similar to choosing a supplier because they may not know what to look for in a supplier and they're not oftentimes visiting them, meeting them in person, looking at their factory from the beginning and really scoping them out. So it can be sort of a scary situation for anyone to be in. So with these five qualities of a good supplier, let's start with the first one and that's accountability. How do you look for that in a supplier and what does that mean? So suppliers should always be accountable for the work that they're doing. I think that sometimes the salespeople in the factory will try to pass the buck on on issues related to quality when they're found. Quite often we'll hear the factories tell clients, next time it will be perfect. We know the issue, but next time it will be good. But they don't really provide any answers as to what they're going to do. I think a good factory will go to the root cause, will find out how the issues happened and provide explanation to the client about what they're going to change to ensure that those issues are fixed in the future. Because the salesperson at the factory simply saying that things will be better on the next order doesn't mean anything because they're not on the production floor. Yeah, so they really need to show what they're going to do to provide effective change. Yeah, I think the example that you gave in the article is pretty good too. And that's a common defect found in garments a lot of times is untrimmed threads, which is really simple. It's kind of inconsequential because it's easy to fix without damaging the product, relatively speaking. And, you know, a supplier that is accountable and takes responsibility for that kind of defect affecting a large part of the order might say, okay, we'll change the work instructions so workers are checking for that in the future. It won't happen again. We'll go back and trim the untrimmed threads so that you won't see it reflected in this order. And, you know, a factory or a supplier representative who's a little bit less accountable for their work, as you said, they might try and pass the buck. That could mean blaming the problem on poor quality materials, which is really their responsibility to manage as well. It could be blaming a third party inspection company for something vague, like being unprofessional or something like that. When again, if it's a quality issue, it really needs to be built into the process, which is the supplier's responsibility. So let's move on to the second point here, production capabilities. How does an importer look for production capabilities in a prospective supplier? Yeah, so I think anyone going into a relationship with a new supplier needs to know their setup. So either by visiting them themselves on a trip to China or having an audit done to ensure that they are capable to make the product. You know, I think anyone buying from China will be familiar with suppliers saying yes, yes, yes to everything. And sometimes factories that make completely unrelated products will still say yes, they can do something even if it's not really within their core business and they'll probably just farm it out to another factory to make. 
So, yeah, having an audit done or visiting the factory yourself and really seeing what equipment they have, seeing products that they've made in the past, if they're open in, in divulging which other companies they work with, that's a good indication of the level of sort of sophistication and quality that they can do. But yeah, you definitely need to do your homework and actually know what their setup is on site because I've had the experience in the past where a client's come over to visit a supplier and we went to visit the address and the client hadn't done any due diligence and it was just an apartment building and we were at the front of the apartment building and we called the number and we could hear the phone ringing inside and <laughs> nobody was answering the phone but it definitely wasn't a factory. So yeah either visiting like obviously the client then won't place an order with that company that's things you can do to avoid working with someone incompetent okay yeah you mentioned about visiting the factory and also potentially doing an audit and an audit i think something like we call a supplier review or basically an audit of their quality management systems would go in and you can check like how frequently are the machines calibrated things like that it can really tell you a lot about the quality and the consistency of production and another point that you mentioned is obtaining and approving a product sample. And that's an important process for just about any importer, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have a lot of material on samples as well in terms of you need to verify that the sample is able to be made in mass production. Quite often uh, the samples are made by a R&D team or something, especially with molded products. You know, the molds are expensive. So to make the prototype quite often they use a different material or method rather than you know making a mold for a prototype but in seeing that process of how the factory makes their samples and ensuring that they agree to making a representative product of that sample in mass production will say a lot about their capabilities yeah i would agree you know, it's important, especially if you're abroad and you're not visiting the factory and you really don't know what you're going to get. It's really, I think, vital to request a sample or a few samples and get a look at it, send it back to the supplier, let them know that you approve of it for mass production. Otherwise, it's really hard to know what you're getting until mass production has already started or in worst case, when you actually receive the finished goods. You could possibly be really disappointed with that if you didn't clarify up front what you wanted. So the third quality of a good supplier that you mentioned in your blog is ease of communication. And you sort of touched on that with the last point a little bit by saying, you know, salespeople have a habit of just saying yes to everything, despite maybe having a factory working with them that's not necessarily capable of making what they claim they can, that they might farm it out to another supplier or outsource that manufacturing project. What are, I guess, some other examples where ease of communication could be really important here? Well, it definitely helps if the contact at the factory that you're working with speaks good English. I mean, that's kind of a really basic thing, but that will provide a lot less headaches if there's less language barrier. However, that's not necessarily the most important thing. I think that if a factory is responsive and really works to understand your requirements and asks questions that's a really good sign, even to some extent more important than the English language. You know, if you have someone that speaks perfect English, but you have to wait a week every time they send an email to get a response, then that's not going to provide a good working relationship. So yeah, responsiveness and asking questions are good signs that a supplier has a good focus on communication. Yeah, I think, you know, the English speaking one is a given. It's important to mention though. But as you said, frequently the case is not necessarily a language barrier, but rather like a way that they handle their communication. So it could be that they're not reliable or quick to respond to your questions or comments. 
I think also there's a cultural element to that as well, where certain countries in Asia in particular, it's like the people there or here, they feel sometimes reluctant to say no or reluctant to ask questions because they're afraid they might seem incompetent. So, you know, a, a good supplier will probe into your own requirements and make sure that they understand rather than making assumptions, which helps to prevent a lot of quality issues as well, I think. The fourth point here is, I guess, willingness to cooperate with inspection, whether it's your own full-time staff based in China or maybe a third-party inspection company that you've hired to inspect on your behalf. How important is that when choosing a prospective supplier? Very important. These days, third-party QC in China is pretty common practice. Any factory that is exporting decent volumes should have had some kind of experience with third-party QC by now. For us, we do get resistance sometimes when a client refers us to a new factory. Sometimes factories, they don't want to cooperate with the QC. And to be honest, that's a pretty clear red flag. It means that they want to hide something. If they are a competent factory and are confident in their work, then there really should be no reason for them to avoid QC. So we tell our clients really to stay firm on that point that third-party inspection is a requirement to ensure an ongoing business relationship. And that's just really the way it has to be because unfortunately you just can't rely all the time on the factory's own QC. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's interesting, especially the last point that you made about relying on the factory's own QC because, you know, there's, there's a few benefits to the factory by having a third party in there. And, and one of them is many times a third party or outside inspector could point out defects the factory might have missed. And a great example of that actually came up in the news recently was at the Rio Olympics in Brazil with the flag ceremony. They had those Chinese flags and there's five stars. It's one big star and then four around the outside. So the flag at the ceremony that they used had five stars, one big star on the left and then four around the outside. But the stars were sort of running parallel, whereas in the official Chinese flag, they're sort of rotating around the main star on the left. And it's interesting because not only the officials at the Olympic ceremony didn't catch the quality problem, but the flags were made in China. So the factory staff, if they had QC staff on the production line, they okayed the flags as well and said there was no issue. So it is easy for a factory staff to miss defects, as you can see from that example in recent news. Another benefit of third-party inspection for factories could be suggesting possible causes for production issues or recommending preventive or corrective actions. That doesn't happen all the time, but there are cases. I can remember working with a client who's making promotional towels with embroidery on them, and there was an impression left on the towel he wasn't sure about, but our QC person was able to say, oh, it was an impression left by the machine that does the embroidery. So there are cases on occasion where inspectors can also point out the cause and potentially the corrective or preventive actions for issues. The last quality of a good supplier that you mentioned in the article is ethics. And I think specifically here you're talking about social compliance. Is that right? Yeah, so social compliance is definitely a big part of it. This is kind of hard to verify if you visit the factory yourself because factories put on a bit of a performance when they have guests. Sometimes it's a smoke and mirrors game. So that can be hard to tell like how ethical they are in terms of how they treat their employees when you're on the site. You can, of course, have social compliance audits done to check the factory, how they are complying against any certain standards. Say, for example, local law is a common one. We help a lot of clients to audit their suppliers based on the local law requirements. 
and then obviously if you're supplying to a big retail chain probably you have a requirement to have your suppliers audited based on walmart or target or any number of different social compliance frameworks but i think in this day and age a lot of clients just want to know that their factory is you know doing the right thing if they're not then they're probably not a factory that you want to deal with you know, I suspect that social compliance was not really top of mind just a few years ago even. I was talking with Steve, Steve Mogenthal, formerly a client manager and then later manager of client services here at InTouch about social compliance in general. And it wasn't really until probably the Rana Plaza collapse in Bangladesh. I think that was in 2013. About a thousand people died in that industrial accident and... Social compliance had a lot to do with it. I mean, checking the building codes during an audit like that would have prevented that potentially. Until that incident, though, social compliance wasn't really something that was well policed, it seemed like. But afterwards, there was sort of a pretty substantial uptick in the number of social compliance audits that clients that we worked with wanted us to do. Have you seen a similar trend in the last three years? Yeah, I think definitely since that time, let's say three, four years ago, in the USA, it's a big thing. Like anyone supplying to those big US retailers will have the requirement. And now we're starting to see that filter down to our Australian clients as well. They are starting to have more requirements to have their suppliers audited for, for social compliance. And it's a good thing. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of issues with that, but that auditing, how it takes place. But on the whole, I think it's for the good. And it probably decreased the amount of potential accidents that have happened in factories. Yeah, I would agree too. You know, there's been legislation out there. California has come out with some anti-child labor, forced labor legislation. The U.S. has sort of outlawed across the board imports that use child labor as well. But the retailers themselves have sort of taken charge with this too. I mean, Walmart, Target, these major retailers, others as well have come up with some ethical sourcing or responsible sourcing standards that they apply to their suppliers to enforce this. It is an issue that touches pretty much every importer because if they have their own retailer stores, it's probably a concern for their own customers. If they supply to Walmart or some other retailer, then it's certainly going to be a requirement for them there. So what is the conclusion here? I would say it can be like the dating game looking for suppliers. I mean, you're sort of going into it blind, especially as an importer who has maybe less experience than some. You know, it's not always easy to identify a good supplier from the get-go, but by looking out for these different qualities, accountability, production capabilities, ease of communication, ethics and responsibility with cooperation with third-party inspection, it's a lot easier, I think, to sift through what could be problematic and find a supplier that's going to work well with an importer. Do you have anything else to add to that? Yeah, and it's something that I've mentioned on this podcast before is just when you're working with a new supplier to do your homework before and then just build up slowly. Don't go all in with a big order straight up, you know, place a small order and see how that works and place another small order and build up slowly rather than going all in. And you may want to place those small orders with three different factories to see which one works for you and then scale it back to two good options. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, that's good advice. Okay, I'd like to thank my guest, Oliver Knack, for joining me to talk about these five qualities of a good supplier. So thank you, Oliver. No worries, John. Pleasure. And I want to thank our listeners out there for tuning in to today's broadcast and remind you guys to check us out on our social media channels namely Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter for some daily updates there with tips and advice as well as industry news. You can check out our YouTube channel for some interviews with industry experts and some product inspections there as well. 
can also check out our SlideShare channel for some product-specific presentations there. And finally, if you'd like to get in contact with us directly, you can drop us a line on our company website. That is www.intouchquality.com. Thank you.